Welcome to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. This is a podcast about seeking first the kingdom of God where we work, live, and play. The content of each podcast will correspond to the current sermon series at Ontario Christian Church, current events that rise up, and also to the church calendar. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to episode 10 of the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. Thanks for joining us today. Today we're going to be kind of piggybacking off of Steve's sermon, talking about what does, uh, we're a sermon obviously on kingdom ethics and what does it look like to live in the kingdom and how do we live in the kingdom in a way that honors God um, in the realm of politics, in the political realm. Um, Steve preached a great sermon on that. I'd encourage you to go back and Give that a listen if you have not yet. But Steve, what are some uh, kind of introductory thoughts as we journey through some of the scriptures you had in your sermon but did not get to a Sunday morning? Yeah, I just want to quickly reiterate the fact that um, <clears throat> as Christians that live in the United States of America, we do have the privilege and honor of voting and participating in our governmental systems. Um, and so I want to just kind of highlight the fact that once again, just a reminder that we are not called to disengage from those things but we're called to do so through the lens of the kingdom of God. Like we're to interact with the government, politics, all the things around us through that lens, the, the gospel lens. And so just want to make very crystal clear, I was not trying to say do not participate in government or voting or anything along those lines, but instead make sure that, that um, our allegiance is first to King Jesus, and that is through uh, understanding who he is and who we are based upon our identity being his His child, his children, and his kingdom, uh, we allow that perspective then to influence and infiltrate our minds and hearts and how we interact with the government, with voting, with people. And ultimately, if, if the kingdom of God is based around loving God and loving neighbor, that means I have to have that perspective in place of uh, not protecting my myself, my will, uh, but my closest neighbors, which ironically would be my children, my wife, my friends, my neighbors, um, both saved and unsaved. And so kind of, I think we make things really simple sometimes, and they're far more nuanced and complex than we think about um, how to love our neighbor well. And so the irony is, is in order to love your neighbor well, you've got to know your neighbor, you got to know their narrative, and then also what, what impacts them with the choices and decisions we're going to make politically as well. And I think we live in a polarized time. Uh, I think it's probably always been polarized, but it be, feels like it's increasing in polarization. Mm-hmm. And so we have this uh, this thing where we want to put everybody in a camp. We want to be in a camp, and we'll defend that camp. And the kingdom of God is our camp. <laughs> so we need, to not, we need to get out of the political uh, right and left long enough to say, but what does God have to say about this uh, cause or or thing instead of um, just towing a quote-unquote political line. So Jesus is, I'm just going to repeat what I said in part of my sermon, Jesus's political ethic is that we fear not what man can do to us, and that the politics of the kingdom of God are justice, truth, love, shalom, sharing, servanthood, and etc. And so it's through that lens of the kingdom that we kind of look at life and look at politics and interact with our voting. So once again, I'm not saying disengage from any of these things, but allow the kingdom of God to formulate uh, how we do engage with them. Does it love God? Does it love neighbor? And uh, maybe taking a step back and asking ourselves, who is my neighbor? What are they? What's going on in their life? And how does this decision or rule or law impact their life as well? So that's my initial thoughts. Any thoughts you have before we jump into some other scriptures? Yeah, I, I kind of came back to my mind 
what I found to be, um, and maybe it was just me or maybe this kind of applied to everybody, but there was a, a moment in your sermon where you made a point about the kingdom and you kind of paused and you looked up from your notes and you said, we must, we misunderstand this. The kingdom is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that we, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I, I think that we do misunderstand that the kingdom of God is here and now. And I mean, Jesus said that 2000 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so that's why, I mean, like there's an urgency for walking in obedience and doing things rightly because of that. Um, because Jesus didn't come, as you've said, just to punch my ticket to heaven. He's called me to engage in a way that's wise as a participant in the kingdom, but also a member of this world and a mm-hmm. member in the society we find ourselves. And so I think it's important to know, I I didn't walk away feeling like you called us to disengage, but rather to, as our whole you know, this whole series is seeing things through the lens of the mm-hmm. kingdom and not having politics and where I lean politically be the primary filter through right which on. I see the world mm-hmm. and interact with it around me, but King Jesus mm-hmm. and knowing that like he's reigning on his throne now mm-hmm. and there's an already and a not yet to the kingdom that we've talked about mm-hmm. a lot before that part of the kingdom, it is already here. <laughs> Jesus mm-hmm. has come and Jesus has set up his kingdom and it is being established there is an aspect of not yet. And in that not yet, it's a tension point and a waiting. And as we've had conversations, what what it looks like engaging requires a ridiculous amount of discernment mm-hmm. of what it looks like to love God and love neighbor as I engage politically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Yeah, and let's be really clear also, God 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 puts people in position in government mm-hmm. and God use, does use government in our world to help, you know, and and it's designed to keep sin at bay as well. And God even called out to Nineveh to to repent, you know, and so God does care about government and cities and nations and people groups. Uh, That's the nature of God. And so he has allowed us to have a governmental system. He's put people in position in the governmental system, and uh, we have to interact with that, but again, through the kingdom lens. So yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's good. And that's the other piece is I, I want to be very clear about that as well. God does has created these things, mm-hmm. um, and it is for our good. Uh, but my all, my point also was is that um, outside of the kingdom of God, even inside of it, unfortunately, there is a human nature or sin nature that causes us to rebel against God's design. Just as, like I mentioned in the sermon, the Israelites the first time give us a king like all the other nations. Mm. And then when Jesus is before uh, Rome, you know, um, the Jews basically said, we, we have no other king but Caesar. So they do the same thing again. And so just being mindful of the fact that there's a temptation within us to corrupt what God has gifted us in government as well. Should, we will probably do that. Mm-hmm. And so we first must uh, surrender to God's rule and reign in our lives in order to see um, his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you said like, Proverbs 21, 1 just came to mind. That's it. Uh, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand mm-hmm. of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to get into the whole sovereignty debate here, but that's true. And that's Solomon writing that within the monarchy of Israel and, and seeing kings and the king's heart is like a stream of water mm-hmm. in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes to accomplish his purposes. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah. So what do we do? I I, I cut out a number of scriptures because I can see the dazing effect upon people's eyeballs as I was closing the sermon up and I still had a multitude of scriptures left and some quotes left. So I wanted to kind of pick up the sermon um, in between the two closing scriptures I utilized. Um, so this is a part that I cut out and I kind of wish I wouldn't have now. So this is a chance for me to hit it now. Sure. Um, so we're we were talking about the government and things along those lines, but the bottom line is, is how, how do we interact with those around us um, through that lens? So the fact that we're part of the kingdom of God and our desire is to honor the honor the King Jesus and then love our neighbor well. So how do we as the body of Christ? By the way, um, if, we, if the church can't get our governance straight, how to love God and love neighbors well, we really don't have a whole lot of right in speaking into the government in general. Mm-hmm. And so uh, judgment starts at our doorstep first. So how do we as the church, the body of Christ, govern one another well uh, with God's word, his spirit, and his truth, with grace and truth in, in tow? Um, so it starts with the body of Christ first and then flows out from there like we've got to get our houses in order uh, before we have the right to speak into the world so um we're to we're to walk wisely both inside the body of christ as well as to those outside of the surrender outside of the body of christ those who have not yet surrendered to the king of kings and colossians 4 2 through 6 says continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving at the same time pray also for us that god may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. This is Paul speaking, which Paul um, pleads to uh, Rome to be able to have an opportunity to have um, the chance to share the gospel basically before Caesar. He's as a platform. He's, he's actually talking to the government saying, as a citizen, I'm going to use this law that's in my favor to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Um, So he says in verse four, that I may make it clear, which is, how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. We've been talking a lot about wisdom and discernment, and it's at an individual level of, of what the Spirit of the Lord and the Word of the Lord wants to do with you and your neighbor. Um, I'm not to show up to your door and give you all the answers. You've got to grow in maturity in Christ and interact with your neighbors well. So, but he's saying, pray that we would walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious. And the word can mean winsome. Um, so the, our speech should be in, in such a pattern, in such a way to draw people into deeper relationship, deeper conversation, to trust our hearts towards them and to bring them before Jesus. So that's what gracious speech looks like, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person, which is really key because he's talking about interactions with people in the kingdom. Um, in the outside of the kingdom, and we see uh, we see government as a huge structure, and it is a huge structure. But what Paul is reminding us is that we have to tear it down to the individual and mm-hmm. and and build upon those relationships uh, to have the kingdom of God impact their lives. So, any thoughts on that scripture? I guess before we kind of move forward here. Yeah, just uh, the verses two and three, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And then he says, at the same time, pray also for us. Like when I want to reason or debate is my first step to pray and to ask for the spirit of God to guide me in this. And so I thought that stuck out to me, just the importance of prayer in our interactions with others, especially as you highlighted, like we need to get down to the individual and how do I speak to them? And how do I, and as verse six says, let your speech always be gracious or winsome, seasoned with salt, 
there's so many references throughout the New Testament to salt. And obviously Jesus says, you are the salt mm-hmm. um, of the earth. And so whatever just comes to mind, like what are your interactions with other people taste like to them in terms of how they experience you? Um, is it gracious? Is it winsome? How does it make them feel? I know that opens a can of worms, but I just just from an objective standpoint of is your posture, that's what we're trying to keep getting back to, our posture towards others. Is it gracious in these conversations? And is it gracious towards these conversations within the realm of politics? You know, that's a, that's tough <laughs> because we all have opinions, mm-hmm. but um, we are to let our speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to, ought to answer each person. Mm-hmm. So there's an assumption in verse six, and when you say politics, half the people may have already shut off the podcast at this point, sure. um, because we don't see it as a conversation. We see it as a, a bully points or whatever. That mm-hmm. I mean, that's how we see it. And so um, he's literally saying that you there's we're supposed to have conversations with each person. Um, and so, by the way, salt seasons and preserves. Uh, season mm-hmm. it, it, it uh, one of the reasons or purposes for salt is to highlight the flavor, mm-hmm. and so um, when he's saying that our our speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, our conversation should highlight the flavor of graciousness and mm-hmm. truth and, and love, uh, not hate and and whatnot. Now it may be interpreted that way at times, but our heart towards a person should not be that. It should be what highlights it is the love of God in the end, love and truth. Um, so, but we're also, and he says that you may know how you ought to answer. So there's got to be dialogue going on here. So I know we're afraid to talk about political things. That's why we need to do the kingdom ethic thing. Some great conversations happening in Sunday school. If you're not a part of it and in the area, we encourage you to come. Um, because I think these conversations are good because we're having to ask hard questions and actually think about how we're going to answer them. And, um, understanding that we should be in dialogue with one another in our culture, to find truth or find answers and listening and hearing one another and answering in such a way that brings the grace of, of the gospel to that situation and scenario. Uh, you cannot, one last thought before we move on, you cannot compartmentalize politics from your faith. Mm-hmm. Everybody, and, and by the way, faith could be a Christian, Muslim, atheist. Everyone has a faith. We believe in something, science, whatever it is. So those things influence all of us, uh, depending on what quote unquote, you know, faith you have. Um, but you can, you can't, you shouldn't, especially as Christians, compartmentalize your faith out of how you view the world, which is governed by our government as well. So we have to allow those things to impact us, but we should have conversations with people that allows them to speak, hear their narrative, ask questions, interact, and then bring the hope of the gospel to it, but not in a judgmental way, but in a way that says there is hope in this process. Here's why I'm making the decision to vote this way. Here's why I feel this is an important topic or subject for us to dialogue about when it comes to policy that is being uh, kind of put on us as Americans. So any other Mm -hmm. thoughts before we move on? I just, I think that a lot of times we, we maybe don't have an issue defining and I mean, generally speaking, as Christians, not as culture, um, but in terms of like voting issues, we don't necessarily have a hard time defining what truth is. And again, generally, there's certainly exceptions to that. But we have a hard time applying that truth in relationships and conversations because we do it in a way like it's kind of like a bully list, like you said, or um, just kind of like a 
lobbing truth bombs at people and hoping that they understand or something in Mm -hmm. terms of how we argue. But how we argue about politics actually determines how we see life in the kingdom. It does. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. in like, what am I championing more? Mm -hmm. My favored political candidate Mm -hmm. or Jesus? And again, that does not mean we should not engage, but we need to engage with the focus of the kingdom being the primary focus mm-hmm. and allowing that to influence everything else. So, yeah. And you're <clears throat> just to get really brass tacks here. Your candidate is in, don't mention tax. Right, your candidate. All right. That's <laughs> funny. Your candidate uh, is not Jesus in the race. Mm. And so we have a tendency to idolize a candidate or defend a candidate as if everything rides upon them. And we should also be balanced and understand that there are aspects of every candidate that are off. We're mm-hmm. human, you know. We're under if they're Christians, they're being sanctified. They're still growing in their faith. If they're not Christians, they're human as well. They're, they make mistakes. So do not canonize or um, make your candidate as if they're Christ. In other words, do not defend every aspect of them, mm-hmm. and then call out the things. We're to do this with one another. Call out the things that aren't right, and don't be afraid to do it. Well, if I do that, then that means the other side has a point. <laughs> no, truth has a point. Right, exactly. And so if your candidate is sleeping around with a bunch of people, or your candidate is known to lie and steal, do not prop them up as your savior. Wait, do politicians lie? Never, never. <laughs> Um, but instead, call it out. Don't be afraid to call it out. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's part of our problem is we're fearful of actually, well, then that means that there's a chink in their armor. Well, there is. Right. So just call it. Don't be afraid to call that out. Yeah. And if don't, you mentioned this, like we can't bend our knee to a political candidate, mm-hmm. you know, do your research, do your voting. But ultimately, Jesus is the only one who's perfect. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And like you said, truth truth does speak, and truth does have a point. And it, our, our role, I think, is to not necessarily... I think our role is to speak truth to both parties mm-hmm. and identify primarily as an ambassador of Jesus mm-hmm. who happens to live in the United States of America mm-hmm. and participate within that government. Yeah, and that's that's huge. So you just you propped up 2 Corinthians 5. So let's go ahead and go there. 11 and following says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not committing ourselves to you again, but by giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in a right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all, and those who live might no longer live for themselves, mm. but for him who for their sake died and was raised, King Jesus. It isn't your life, it's not your home, it's not even your politics. Mm. It's you, All that those things have been stewarded to you. Uh, your right to vote has been stewarded to you by King Jesus. Uh, your right to interact with your neighbor has been stewarded. Your right to breathe has been stewarded to you. So and it goes on and says, From now on, therefore, we, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
All this, by the way, the new being, the kingdom of God as well, like you've been born into a new kingdom. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's, mm-hmm. That is your call. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. That's why you were left here and not raptured right after salvation. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've been left here to make this appeal. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So go for it. Thoughts? So many. I I mean, we did unpack like a lot of scripture there, but that's great. I mean, if this is true, which it is, my role as an ambassador for Christ is not to persuade other people of my political leanings. Mm -hmm. It's to prayerfully and graciously and winsomely go about the ministry of reconciliation, Mm -hmm. which means bringing people into the kingdom, Mm -hmm. not a political party. That's right. Yep. And so that is, that is my call. And that is a, that is a gift. Mm -hmm. That's not just like, Oh, that's my call. You better do it. It's a gift. Mm -hmm. We've been called the steward the message of Jesus and to be his hands and feet in this way to usher others into his kingdom, to be used by him to usher others into his kingdom, going about with uh, gracious and winsome speech. Because the old has passed away and the new has come, and we want that to be a reality for others. Because that's, that's, I think we keep landing on some of this stuff with kingdom ethics in our conversations, but my ultimate goal for someone else or God's ultimate goal for someone else is not that they would have certain political beliefs. It's that the old would pass away and the new would Mm -hmm. come for them, that they would put their faith in Jesus and be reconciled to God. Mm -hmm. So what are you thinking? No, it's good. And I agree with all that. Um, So yeah, I'm not going to give much to this because I think it's loaded. I'd encourage you if you don't have time to, well, you need to give a lot of thought to Second Corinthians five eleven through twenty one. Mm-hmm. You're in, and I was rather blunt about which flag should fly higher this last Sunday, and the reason being is because you are an ambassador for Christ. Mm-hmm. That is first. Uh, I like the way you mentioned it, and I thought about this on the way over the, today. Was that we are Christian Americans mm-hmm. in that order? Yes. Yeah. Um, and and a friend of mine recently did a whole article on, and and why we shouldn't just be called Christian, but instead we should be say we are in Christ. Um, and so that is, that is the order of life. It just happens. Like you mentioned that we live here. It's, it just happens that I don't live in Canada, Mexico, South Africa, somewhere else. It happens that I live here, mm-hmm. but the most imperative, the most important thing is that we are in the kingdom of God. And uh, that we are ambassadors of that kingdom. So all that we do and say and live and your ethic of how you work, which we're going to get into at some point, all that really, really matters about how we are reflecting the glory of God in the midst of this. And also your politics, how you vote, how you interact, how you think uh, comes like that should infiltrate the gospel of, of Christ should infiltrate how you interact with that. Um, I quoted a ton from J.H. Yoder in my sermon, so feel free to go back and listen. There's another quote I have from him about this. He says, The church must be a sample of the kind of humanity within which, for example, economic and racial differences are surmounted. Only then will she have anything to say to the society that surrounds her about how these differences must be dealt with. 
Otherwise, her preaching to the world, a standard of reconciliation which is not her own experience, will be neither honest nor effective. So reconciliation uh, and that ministry of reconciliation has to occur within the body of Christ and making sure that we take care of our, like the, the kingdom of God, those that are within it, we take care of them well um, and love them well and also find routes um, to mend and fix broken bridges with racial, financial, socioeconomical, all those things, all those areas of life. Those those bridges have to be happening in the church. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, we don't, again, we don't have the right to tell the government or the nation how to steer itself if we don't first take down those certain walls within our own, within, within the body of Christ. So mm-hmm. thoughts on that quote and then also anything else in those scriptures? Man, a lot, but just to second that quote, I've, I think I've said this before on a podcast, but Dallas Willard called the church almost like an alternative society, mm-hmm. you know, a different kind of human or sample kind of humanity, as J.H. Yoder said. Like, that's a that's what the church is to be, this community of people who uh, display these things and exemplify these things. So, in order, you know, when we do that, then we can speak into you know, otherwise her preaching to the world, the standard of reconciliation, which is not her own experience, will need, be neither honest nor effective. Um, I, there, I remember hearing one time that Christians who, like, if, if we don't know Jesus, like, personally, we become informed travel agents handing out brochures mm-hmm. to places we've never been. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to engaging in this world and all that that means— we have to be living in the kingdom and communing with King Jesus and reading his word in order to know what that engagement looks like. Cause as Yoder says, it will, otherwise it's not our own experience and it will be neither honest nor effective. Mm-hmm. So those are just the thoughts I had there. Yeah, that's good. Um, Jesus could have ushered in a, his government, his earthly government when he came the first time he could have done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, Satan did everything he could to tempt him to do it. Matthew 4, 8 through 11 says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world mm-hmm. and their glory, which is where we get caught up, by the way. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you fall fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Him only. My allegiance is to God. And then everything else falls below that. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So Jesus could have established his uh, earthly reign, but he established a broader reign. He's, you know, he's king of all. Um, and there will be a, a, the second coming and establish a new heavens, new earth. Uh, we know that, but in a new is uh, new Jerusalem. But right here, he's he's reminding us as he says, "You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve." And that God is the preeminent one for us, and that's how we filter everything. So, any thoughts on that scripture? It's pretty straightforward. Yeah, it made me think of if Jesus, if Jesus could have set up his earthly kingdom, obviously he could have, but he didn't. And he chose to, as you said, set up a broader kingdom. And he went about setting up that kingdom by laying his life down. How does that inform mm-hmm. how we, as his kingdom participants, try to further his kingdom? Mm-hmm. Self-sacrifice, love, doing the things that Jesus did in order to 
further his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a big deal. And I think it's, I think we feel threatened when truth is attacked. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. There's a degree to which that's right and good. And that should drive us to um, know how to articulate things more graciously and winsomely and walk out the implications of that truth with someone in their lives. Um, but Jesus laid his life down in order to set up his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And if that's how he inaugurated his kingdom, then how are we supposed to operate within his kingdom? We're supposed to lay our life down mm-hmm. for others mm-hmm. and walk alongside them. Mm-hmm. So those are just the thoughts I had. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, is like, I think immediately of where that's supposed to start is your home and outward. Mm-hmm. And we're just supposed to serve one another. I mean, Paul says to the husband, love your wife as Christ, mm-hmm. love the church, laying his life down for her, you know? And so even within, uh, within the human, within our homes, it's supposed to start there. Whether you're married, single, it doesn't matter. You serve one another, you love one another well. And then it spills into how do we love our neighbor? And, um, yeah, we're supposed to be taking care of the poor and the widows and the orphans and those around us that don't, that need a hand up. Um, at that moment in their life as well. So, um, and yet God takes, he could have had this whole institution. He gave us the kingdom and he came, he, the kingdom was established on an individual basis. And so there's a quote, this is actually from the international encyclopedia of philosophy. Um, but it's speaking of Augustine's views on a uh, government and then also the kingdom it says, even if the Roman emperor and the Roman pontiff were one and the same, even if the structures of state and church merged so as to become institutionally the same, they would not thereby become the city of God because citizenship in the city of God is determined at the individual and not the institutional mm-hmm. level. And I think that um, I want to be careful here, but in a large way, I think that we there's been a, a great sales pitch been done that the United States is like the the new kingdom of God almost. And mm-hmm. and not that we have not been blessed in, in a lot of ways we have uh, ridiculously to the degree that we have access, especially as Christians, we have access to things that a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we do not, we take them for granted. That's a whole nother podcast. Um, but, but keeping in mind that the, the this is going to offend some, but I, I think it's okay. The U S is not the kingdom of God, right? It's the, it's the church. Mm-hmm. It's the individual who comes to salvation. And then the church is the body of those individuals. The ecclesia is the called out ones mm-hmm. for the kingdom of God. And so Jesus meets you at your level, your sin, your issues, the things that you're going through and calls you by name, the scripture says. And so just being mindful of the fact that the government has a tendency uh, to see the large issues, which is fine, but ultimately we've got to come down to knowing one another's name and interacting with each other on that p- personal level. So, any thoughts before I we close this this one off? We're yeah. over half an hour. Thanks for hanging with us so far. Yeah, thank you. I I can only influence so much, and I can only influence the people I'm around. I I can't influence on a big scale, um, and I agree. The kingdom of God is not the USA. The kingdom of God is the church, the body of Christ on earth. And for what it's worth, I don't I don't think the people in the Roman Empire at the peak of that kingdom, at the peak of that, like no one ever thought that that was going to go away. Mm-hmm. But it did because it's led by sinful, broken people. Mm-hmm. And I, every great nation has that problem, that they're led by sinful and broken people, no matter who's in the leading chair. And 
as Christians, we're to engage with the gospel as the lens through which we engage the world and, and including that. And so just to, I agree. I agree with you. And yep. yeah. And not, and not to defame the United States or our right. citizenship at all, but to say, keep it in perspective. We mm-hmm. have to keep it in perspective. Uh, it, actually, as a follower of Jesus, you're part of something much greater and bigger, broader, wider at this mm. time. It, past, present, and future is yeah. way bigger than any one given nation of the entire world. Um, and you're part of that as a follower of Jesus. And so we've got to think of, of that as well. So I do want to close with the last scripture uh, that we did close the sermon with. I jumped all the way here to the end of my sermon uh, from First Peter 2. It says, you're a chosen race, speaking to the body of Christ, the ecclesia. Hmm. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, not the U.S., not any other, not Canada, not Mexico, not you know any of the other nations, the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones part of the kingdom of God. You're a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak evil against you as evildoers, rather, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So put feet to your faith hmm. and walk out what you believe. Walk out the faith of, of the kingdom of God in the midst of the world so that as the world looks upon us, uh, they see that we are um, ambassadors for the kingdom of God and that uh, they, would, they would have faith by seeing how we love one another. So closing thoughts. And as we do that, I mean, we, we will feel a resistance. And when you feel that resistance, remember that you are a sojourner in an exile. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, thanks for listening in. Um, feel free to email us any ideas that you may have about future podcasts, uh, any topics in regards to kingdom ethics you'd like to hear kind of parsed out a little bit. You can email us at podcastseekfirst at gmail.com. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. We hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us, as well as any topics you would like us to consider in the weeks to come. We encourage you to continue to seek first the kingdom of God where you work, live, and play. Blessings.